Welcome to the, the midweek edition of the Progress of Unity podcast. Following a fantastic result away at Morecambe, the Lassets are now second in the league. And myself, Barry, Adam and Paul are all bouncing in the virtual studio. Morecambe one, we get Athletic two. Do you know, I enjoyed the game of football, even though it wasn't the best we'd played by any stretch of the imagination. And I'll tell you what surprised me, just how good Morecambe were. Was it a surprise? I mean, you've got to look the last, either the last game or the game before they held Tottenham for 75 minutes. I think they've been competitive in most matches this season. Uh, they beat Wednesday at home, didn't they? It was good to see because you don't always necessarily, unless you see it yourself, you don't believe it. But I actually thought that they were one of the better sides that we played this season. They were definitely better than the likes of Doncaster, Wimbledon, Gillingham, thinking about away games that I've been to this year. And I think we realised, maybe a little bit too late in that first half, that we really needed to turn up to uh, to win last night and fair play to them in the second half. I know we'll get on to it, but big big change of mentality, I think, and they were right up for it in the uh, second half. They took the lead on seven minutes. The man that we all sort of feared called Stockton. Johnny on the spot fired it into what was virtually an empty net, really. Good work down the left by the left back, Lee, who Tom from... Shrimps Online had uh, identified as one of the danger men. We didn't quite deal with the cross that well, <laughs> to say the least. That's um, an understatement. <laughs> yeah, he was set up, and, but he but he, he finished. But they looked strong. The midfield looked very good as well. Did a, a number seven. I don't know what his name was. Number seven in midfield from a very strong player. Looked good. They're obviously a tight knit group as well. All together, all playing for each other. Good fans as well. I thought all through the game they sang, and even when they went behind, you know they're getting right behind them as well. So it made for a, an interesting game. Not not one for the purists again, but a very interesting game. And probably you would say the last half an hour was also very exciting in terms of the, you know, when you the nearly moments when you nearly score and then, you know, them having their nearly moments as well, which, yeah, it was very good last half an hour. I really enjoyed it. The rest of the game was uh, a bit scrappy and that's probably how they wanted it, really. Fair play to them. They made it scrappy, didn't it? Why would it, Why would a side watch us play? Yeah, we often puffed in that first half. But for that effort, because there was quite a bit of effort thrown in there, Max Powers drives as well, we got a little bit of reward. A nice goal from Will Keane. A typical Keane goal in a way where, he, he, you know, the ball's knocked across to him, he controls it well. And then just puts it in the back of the net. He was giving a bit too much space, wasn't he? But, you know, we're not complaining. But it's one of those, like uh, Liam Richardson said in his post-match, changes the whole demeanour in the dressing room at half-time, doesn't it? The last half hour was enjoyable. And then that last five minutes, there was, of added time, there was a bit of jeopardy in there in case they nicked an equaliser. But we closed it out. And like I said last week, we're closing the points out week in, week out. And it was a great time to score rights on half-time. Made uh, Lee Richardson's team talk that much easier. Got them in, G'd them up, out we came. Different team in the second half, I thought. Uh, looks a lot stronger, uh, a lot more adventurous. And we, we got a set of them. And it was a more open game. And going back to that man again, Stockton, he had a rasping effort which rattled the post about midway through the second half. My heart skipped to me when it happened. But he, he seems to find space, Adam. He drops a little bit deep or he, he'll go out quite wide and he'll lose his marker and when the ball comes to him there's no hesitation it's bang he's shooting yeah he's com- he's comfortable pretty much all all areas of the you know the 
well, the attacking half, really. You know, you do get some strikers who are just they're very comfortable in the box, you know, and fair play to them, you know, they do the job there. But this guy, but for someone who I wouldn't say is a fox in the box, his goal scoring record is fantastic, really, isn't it? Sally Wangers had him. That as we used to refer to him. Sally Wangers, that's what he's scoring a lot of. Yeah, definitely. Bobby Charlton, he were another one, wasn't he? He could hit it. A bit yeah. different earth style, though. Slightly different, yeah. Before we get on to uh, what happened in the last 15, 20 minutes, just one thing to mention about last night. There was only one towel used, or one use of the towel, which was a bit of a surprise. I did offer Max Power my scarf which he uh, declined. This is for the long throw-ins that I'm talking about here, in case anyone was confused what he was wiping. <laughs> he used uh, the, the towel once, but the crowd was singing our new song. Yeah, it's uh, Wigan, take towels everywhere they go. Wigan, take towels everywhere they go. We should take them all, and yeah, throw them on the... It's a bit like, was it uh, Tom Jones? The ladies used to throw the knickers. <laughs> we, we could... We can throw our we can throw our towels instead. Yeah, I tell you what though, those towels, the quality must have improved from about three or four years ago because there was no ball drying on any of them towels we used to pick up for a father from the club shop. You know, they were more they were, they were probably the size of a of a face flannel. You know, they, they just didn't wipe any moisture off, so yeah. they must have improved the quality because they look like a big bath sheet. Yeah, yeah, it did just, look pretty big. But well, now uh, it looks like this is becoming a fairly regular item. It could be towel talk now to complement <laughs> toilet talk. And uh, I have to say the toilets went back downhill again last night. For a, such a nice stadium, toilets were pretty poor. Looked unfinished to me, really. Uh, given stadiums been there that long, not great. Five out of ten for that. Well, I, I'm going I'm to knock a, another point off that. Uh, because at the end of the game, when we nipped in for a quick uh, wee before we jumped in the car, there was no lights on either. <laughs> so they were pitch black and everybody had to get the phones out and put the torches on. So you had a lot of men like walking, looking at each other. Did you not have any uh, fl- fluorescent paint, Barry, for your bits? It, you know, it was a bit strange. What, what might you give the DW toilets just for? Comparison purposes. Solid seven, solid seven, yeah. And Amos had a good game last night, collected well, made a smart save. Yeah, so I think he deserves a little bit of praise for the way he played last night because we've been dominating, haven't we, really? We, I mean, when we looked at the stats over the weeks, opposing teams haven't really created that many chances against us. So when his cut was called into action last night, they had 13 attempts with five on target. So, he's, you know, I thought he'd done quite well. The only game that really stands out to me where I think we really talked about him, and it was obviously very early in the season, I think it was the Charleston game, where he made two or three excellent saves in that game and... And obviously it was a big game because he was going back to his former club. Substitutes last night, very tactically aware of subs last night. The left-back we mentioned, Greg Lee, had a good game down the left-hand side. I thought he feigned injury uh, and tried to get Callum Wang boots at one point. And he ended up being substituted. Uh, he didn't want to go off. He kicks off a little bit. But they brought a guy on who, who clearly wasn't a left-back. And within three or four minutes, Liam had made a substitution and he brought Lange out wide, put Humphreys on up front. And the game just, and, and I think he brought Edwards on as well at the same time, didn't he? And the game just just changed, swung in our favour so much. And obviously, the goal was scored by Humphreys. And I think he made a very big contribution last night. Apart from scoring the goal, his all action display was, was great and really appreciated by the fans the way he buzzed around the field. Good squad rotation, good minutes and legs, and obviously good change to affect the game in front of you as well. Liam Richardson spoke well again after the game, spoke about the crowd. 
but the players, uh, how well they'd adapted and how, how, the, how the supporters had, had carried them through to the end and, and got them displaying their energy in the second half. And then Steve Robinson, the Markham manager, and I, I don't know, he picked things up like this and have a look at more about one or two things. But he said they should have had a penalty. He was referring to James McLean's and Ball, which the Ball did strike his hand, but it was behind his back. And he reckoned that uh, Humphreys had fouled the centre-half whilst jumping for the ball. When you watch it again, he out-jumped him. It was poor defensively, I thought, from the centre-back. And it was a good looper into that third corner. I don't think it, uh, you know... Any of them claims were legitimate. I, I agree with you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily call it a good looper, but I understand where you're coming from. I'll call it a, a very well placed header. Right, and we'll move straight on to the progress with Unity listeners. Man of the match. It's a close run thing this this week between three players. Jack Watmore, Max Power tied in second place with a high percentage of the votes. But the winner was the man who influenced the game following his introduction. Got his first league goal for Wigan Athletic. The person voted by the listeners as the Progress with Unity man of the match, Stevie Humphries. Well done, Stevie. The stats, 55% possession with 11 shots, four on target to the 13 and five, as I've mentioned. There were two bootings in the game. Kel Watts for the Latics, which was a bit of a, a shocking decision, really, because it was a free kick to the Latics. And the crowd was 5,359 with 1,760 away fans. Signings and rumours. We've signed Josh McGuinness and we've also signed Graham Shinney. We talked about it, didn't we, on Sunday? And then it was announced Sunday night. I mean, we don't usually announce signings on a Sunday, but I think Talal just fancied <laughs> getting one over on one or two people and, and just blurted it out. I think we've already alluded to what Shinny will bring to the team. Obviously, he's, uh, we, can, we know he can strike a ball for that last-minute winner at Derby when we... That was kind of either in the middle or maybe the start of that horrendous run of conceding goals in the last minute. Yeah, he was the player of the season uh, for Derby last year. I know they didn't have a great season, but to be a player of the season in a championship at any club is a fantastic achievement. Very experienced player, played lots of games, Premier League Scotland, Championship in England. Like a couple of our players dropping down a level to this level, I think for the first time at this level, you know, you'd like to think that he's another quality signing who can not just add quantity, which is very much required in this running, but also quality as well. And he will play a big part. How he gets in, we don't know yet, but he will get in at some point. And I suspect when he does get in, barring injury, he'll be there for the rest of the season because you know, he's the sort of player, I think, at this level who could run a game. I'd rather he didn't get in because that tells you how well the two that are there at the moment are doing. I think you will because full time was the last night. I don't know if anybody else noticed, but there were quite a few Latics players dropping down to the seats of the pants or sat on the ground. They looked absolutely knackered. And like you said, I think we do need the quantity going forward and there'll be a little bit of rotation. If he doesn't play Saturday, he'll, I should imagine he'll definitely play on Tuesday in the uh, Papa John's, but we'll you know we'll cover that on Sunday. I mean, we're not really talked about anyone moving on. I was thinking about that and it was, well, not so surprising, but it might have been telling that Jordan Jones weren't even on the bench last night. And it's been rumoured yeah. that he's possibly moving to a championship club. Yeah, he's not had a lot of game time really, has he? The only game I recall where he really came on and did something, I think, was Sheffield Wednesday, where he brought that energy and kind of changed the game a bit, you know, when we were pretty much all over him for the last 20, 25 minutes. But I'd say 
out of the two who have been the most fringe players in terms of not really getting starts, I would say I've preferred Edwards over Jones. I think Edwards has contributed quite a bit this season. I'm not going to say Jones is a bad player. I've not seen enough of him, but sometimes you're not necessarily a, a good fit. I think Bayless might fall into that category. I think there's a decent player in Bayless, but he doesn't really seem to, to be able to keep a place in the team. So We've got Gillingham on Saturday. This afternoon, I spoke with a friend of the podcast, Matt Boosie from Gillingham. Massive Gillingham supporter, runs the Jills in the Blood website and YouTube channel. Let's have a little listen to what Matt has had to say. I'm Matt, uh, Jill's season ticket holder for my sins, and I run the YouTube channel, Twitter page, Facebook page, Instagram page, Jills in the Blood TV, which does three regular shows a week. We do Match Day Live, which hasn't been fun. <laughs> we do Monday Review, where we look back at the weekend games. That's not been fun either. And we do Match Previews, where we look ahead to, to the weekend games and uh, if we can squeeze in the odd player interview or club legend interview, we try and do that as well. We get fans on to get um, different views on different things. We've started a new series in the last few months called Jules in the Pub, where I get a handful of Jules fans on and we talk about the, the latest goings on at the club, which has, has all been negative this season, unfortunately. But such is life and, and everything goes round in its cycles and um, we're having one of them seasons from hell at the moment, unfortunately. Well, talking seasons, your season so far, over to you. <laughs> We've won three games in the league and we're now middle of January so that tells you all you need to know and we can sit here and talk about Covid pre-seasons and injury crisis and people not available and, and stuff like that but ultimately you have to win football matches to gain points and if you don't do that then you struggle and that's why we're currently eight points from safety with about 45% of the season to go it, it's not been fun there's no point dressing it up to pretend otherwise we've won one game on a Saturday that was Morecambe in August the other two league wins have come on Tuesday evenings against Cambridge which was probably our best performance of the entire campaign. We went there and, and were really good that night. And then we beat a really, really poor Doncaster side, 1-0. We just about got over the line and, and they're the only club that's below us in the table at the moment. So it, it's been, for probably since autumn set in, the Sheffield Wednesday draw was start of November, then the injuries hit. We've, we've just lurched from one disaster to another, unfortunately. And then there's off-the-field stuff where fans are not happy with the chairman and want him to go. And um, it's just made for a, a not really, not fun atmosphere and, it got a bit toxic for a while. That seems to have calmed down now. But bottom line is we want our football team to be successful and um, we're anything but at the moment. And that's why we're 23rd out of 24. Which brings us around to the second of Steve Evans. Warranted? Or would you like to have seen him stay a bit longer? Again, like I've already said, it's <laughs> there's been extenuating circumstances. We had games in the run-up to December or early part of December, at least, where we had three or four substitutes and they were literally children. There was one game, I think, Rotherham away, where we had a 17-year-old goalie, a 17 and an 18-year-old defender and an 18-year-old striker because all our senior pros pretty much were, were unavailable. Those that were about 80% were having to start. And um, we actually took the lead in that game after about two minutes, I think, and then got absolutely slapped 5-1. Um, but, you know, there's, there's better teams than us are going to get beaten and beaten well by Rotherham. But that's where we were. Um, but like I've just said to you before we started recording, at the end of the season, if we get relegated, it doesn't say star and Jules had loads of injury problems. It just says Jules have been relegated. So Steve Evans had to, at some point, become under pressure because we're not winning enough football matches. There were other reasons why we weren't as successful, but there were signs in the Ipswich defeat a couple of Saturdays ago that perhaps he wasn't quite at it in terms of wanting to be there. The players just rolled over and died. We were 3-0 down inside 22 minutes and it just looked like 
I said on a um, an interview for I think it was the Sky Sports podcast or um, Radio Kent, it just looked like that was the end of the cycle. And we this, we all know as football fans, everything goes round in a circle, and you know you can have highs and lows for a few years, but then you have to go and deal with the horrible troughs and stuff like that. And at the moment, it just looks like the Steve Evans cycle had, had run its natural course and. The decision was made by mutual consent, which I think is posh for sacked. So we're now on the lookout for a new gaffer. And the favourite seems to be Bromley manager Andy Woodman. I think whoever gets the job now is on a hiding. And they've probably got a free swing in terms of the fact that the fans know whoever takes overs. It's highly unlikely that they're going to save us from the drop. So in that sense, they've basically got four months to assess the squad and, and, and ultimately plan for probably a League Two campaign next season. So, well, that brings me around to the next point. Uh, if it is Andy Woodman or whoever, obviously you don't, you're not too sure, you're not too confident if if they could get you out of the mess that you're in at the moment, out of trouble. Are you are you putting the the white flag up already, or do you think there is a possibility of salvaging something from the season? Well, all the time it's it's mathematically possible. The players have to believe as professional footballers, but you know me, but as I'm. Plenty of people know me on Twitter or whatever that I'm generally glass half full. I'll try and be as positive as possible. But people are saying, oh, there's, you know, 21 games left. That's 63 points to play for. Yeah, that's fine. And we need 32 out of that 63. And we've taken 18 from the first 75. So forgive me for not being entirely optimistic. We've suddenly got to go at 1.5 points per game. We're averaging about 0.7 at the moment. So it's going to take a huge, huge turnaround. And I'm not even sure that fabled manager bounce would be enough to save us. You know, we could come up to Wigan at the weekend and win 1-0 and it might change everything. But I'm not going to bet my mortgage on it. What players do you think we should be looking out for on Saturday? And who's running the team at the moment? And what formation will you be playing? Well, Steve Lovell came back in last week prior to Burton. So he's doing it on a caretaker basis, which is basically week to week while we're interviewing for full-time candidates. He was ironically the manager that was in charge before Steve Evans took over. So it's gone. There's one of them footballing circles again that we talk about. So, And he's being assisted by Alex McDonald, who's one of our more senior players, who's unfortunately out for the rest of the season. He changed it up uh, for the Burton game. And we were really bright for 45 minutes. We went to a diamond, played a proper front two. And um, yeah, we took the lead after three minutes, missed a couple of chances and, and were good value for that lead at the break. But unfortunately, Burton come out, got a bit lucky with an equaliser straight after half time. And then we switched off again for the second goal, which is what we've done all season and another reason why we are where we are. And then we got caught on the break. So I'd imagine Steve Lovell will stick with that diamond if it is him in charge at the weekend, try and keep us compact and rely on the, the fullbacks to provide some width. But yeah, he's only had one game, so it's tricky to say who's going to be playing. For Dane Oliver, if he plays, obviously, will hopefully cause you a problem. Um, he's our top scorer last season. I think he's still just about our top scorer this season as well. Carl Dempsey, subject of apparently a bid from Bolton, is one of the best centre midfielders in the division. So if he plays, then hopefully he's a good game. Um, and Jack Tucker, obviously the young centre-back, who's apparently come under interest from Scottish Premier League side Aberdeen in recent days. He's probably our best defender. Um, but he's been playing out of position up until Steve Lovell came back in. Steve Evans had been using him as a holding midfielder through probably choice and necessity when the injuries were hitting. But um, yeah, they're probably the three that I'd have to say if, if we are having to pick three, Oliver Dempsey and Jack Tucker. And Matt, could we have a prediction, please? How do you think the game will go? No. <laughs> yeah, of course you can. Um, I was looking at your results, actually, and you don't really keep clean sheets, do you? I don't think you've kept a clean sheet in the league for, for a few months, but... Our problem is we're rubbish defensively. We don't score a great deal and you've got ridiculous amounts of attacking options. I mean, I've seen, I know you mentioned 
Graham Shinney, but you've added Josh McGuinness to the, the squad as well to go with Will Keane and Stephen Humphreys, who scored against Morecambe in the week. So who I've always thought a very good player if you can keep him fit. We'll pinch one, maybe, but I'd back you to win 2-1. Yeah, it's talking there about uh, the problems this season, which I think are well documented. Also, about the inability to win games, which on a Saturday as well, uh, they've only won one game on a Saturday. It says like a Tuesday night stuff troubles this, doesn't it? And he's gone for a 2-1 defeat. I don't like that at all. because <laughs> it... no, He's not quite as negative as the Doncaster fans yeah. last week. Um, I mean, the two two things I took for that. One, I like the feature where he goes into the pub and interviews fans. So if you ever need anyone to do that role, Barry, I'm happy to take that up <laughs> on ex- expenses, of course. Uh, the second thing was, which I didn't realise, so I looked at it, he said, well, you, you guys don't really keep clean sheets. And I thought, hmm, I really thought about that. And I had a look. Uh, we've had a clean sheet in our last eight league matches, and that goes back to the 30th of October. So that means that in the last eight league matches, clearly both teams have scored because 23 matches now we've scored in consecutively in the league. That is absolutely unbelievable and credit to the... That's the whole team because they've all chipped in. I thought he was very, very grounded in his pragmatism of the fact that it comes and goes inside and it's currently their turn to have a bad do. You know, we've been there, and I don't just mean with administration, we've been there in the past many a time. And it's putting up with that that makes you appreciate what we've got at the moment all the more. It's about time we have a little bit of ref watch. So on Saturday for the visit to Gillingham, your referee will be Carl Boyson from Hull, who's been a referee since 2002. He's refereed us six times previously. And we've never lost when he's refereed. The last one being last season when he refereed us beating Doncaster 1-0 at home. This season, his card watch is 15 games, 51 yellows, one red and three penalties. And that's your referee for Saturday against Gillingham, Carl Boyson. Cheers, Paul. Previous form against the Gills. 39 battles we've had over the years. We've won 16, drawn 7. And we've also lost 16. They did the double over us last season. Uh, and we have a chance to do the double over them on Saturday, having won at the Priestfield 0-2 back in October. Two famous meetings stand out for me. Obviously, the Wembley final, which was a very sad day, although I saw the greatest ever goal scored at Wembley by Simon Howarth. And obviously, uh, 3-2 that went in our favour, at the DW in the Coldwell promotion season when Morgan scored a last-minute winner and uh, Bradley Dack was crying. Uh, the first meeting against the Jills was in the 82-83 season. Uh, we won the way 2-0 and we drew the home fixture 2-2. The form at the moment, well, not very good. Not very good. Generally isn't good when a manager is sacked. Uh, the 23rd in the league on just 18 points from 25 games. And as Barry said, just one win on a Saturday. They've scored 19 goals and conceded 41. Uh, and over the last five games, the, the current form doesn't really give, the, uh, give them any positives because they've lost four and drawn one. Uh, just quickly at this juncture, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Darren, my mate and friend of the podcast in Australia. Found out last night that he's suffering quite badly 
with COVID. The reason why I found out that is because I usually ring him uh, after the game when I've had beers and he said he couldn't speak to me. And clearly the only reason that someone wouldn't want to speak to me is because they're ill. Darren, get well soon, mate. Hopefully uh, you'll be listening to loads of back editions of the podcast to keep your spirits up. Please don't listen to last year's contributions when we were talking about administration. And now it's over to the predictions. I'm going to go for Latis to continue the superb form. And I think we're going to get a, a 3-0 home victory. And I'm really excited about that. Those runs come to an end somewhere, don't they? And usually in the most strangest of circumstances. That said, you know, we've got a ref who we've never lost when we played. We're playing well. They're playing badly. I want one of those games where we've won and the last 20 minutes is a parade rather than a sweating and and, and wondering and fretting. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a 3-1. We, we haven't had clean sheets, so 3-1. I think there'll be at least one change to the team. Hunt, maybe Humphreys for Massey. I think uh, give, give Massey a bit of a rest. Whatever squad we put out, clearly at the moment we are a much better side. The current form and the table says that. But I'm going to continue this run of both teams to score. Wigan Athletic 3, Gillingham one. I think Barry's now going to take us through the fixtures. So we've got a full programme on Saturday and uh, all, all our promotion rivals are in action. Let's have a quick look down the list. Burton play Wimbledon, Cambridge United are home to Crewe, Charlton Athletic and Fleetwood, Ipswich Town and Accrington Stanley. Then we've got MK Dons Austin Doncaster. Morecambe play Wickham Wonders. Up the shrimps, come on Morecambe. Oxford United v Sheffield Wednesday. Plymouth Argyle, Lincoln City. Rotherham United, if the pitch is thawed out, will play Cheltenham Town. Shrewsbury host, they get battered everywhere. And Sunderland will play Portsmouth. Of course, the Latics are at home to the Jills. I think Sunderland-Portsmouth are uh, quite an interesting fixture. And hopefully more can play like last night against Wickham. I think they can certainly give Wickham a good game. I hope they can give him a good pasting. Up the Pompey as well. Play up Pompey. Yeah, I, I think all we need to worry about is who Rotherham are playing until Rotherham get a few points behind us and then we don't need to care about any of them. It's a bit of arrogance so. from Paul. I like it. I oh. love it. <laughs> I love it. He's uh, based podcast. on evidence. I was going to say you the podcast, the podcast, Eric Cantona. We deserve it. We deserve a bit of arrogance. Yeah. Confidence. Confidence doing. is different to arrogance. I'm, I'm, I'm lacking the arrogance at the moment. I know, I know what's going to happen. We're going to fall flat on our faces. Exactly. But the yeah. fact that you're scared of that is what stops you doing it. All right. Sorry, then. We're the best team in the world ever. Yeah. I thought you called him Everett then. We'll be back on Sunday with all the reaction to the Gillingham game and we'll be looking forward to a slice of pizza on Tuesday and hopefully making the semi-finals. So until then, it's a goodbye from me. And goodbye from us. Up the towels. Up the, t- up the, up the towels. Come on. 